Welcome to the very first Not A Boring Tessa podcast. Yeah, I was thinking long and hard how to open this. And just today, I saw this great interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And everyone who knows him knows he can talk quite a good game. So I would say, why I don't let Neil deGrasse Tyson tell you what this podcast is all about and why we, we as a community really stand behind uh, Elon Musk's projects and why we think it's important to talk about it and inform people of his ideas and projects. Influence society the most in the long run. Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. I already have my answer, it would be Elon Musk. Think about it. As important as Steve Jobs was, no doubt about it, you have to add him to Bill Gates because they birthed the personal computing revolution together. Here's the difference. Elon Musk is trying to invent a future not by providing the next app. Why do I hear millennials say, oh, it would be awesome if you could pass the salt? Is that how you're using the word awesome? Excuse me. When I was growing up, awesome was applied to when we walked on the moon, when we cured disease. Major societal advances, that's what we apply the word awesome to. And so what Elon Musk is doing is not simply giving us the next app that will be awesome on our smartphone. No, he is thinking about society, culture, how we interact, what forces need to be in play to take civilization into the next century. And it has to do with transportation. It has to do with space exploration. Why? Because there's unlimited resources in space. Resources that on Earth we fight wars over? In space, you no need to fight a war. Just go to another asteroid and get your resources. A whole category of war has the potential of evaporating entirely with the exploitation of space resources, which includes the unlimited access to energy as well. That's where Elon Musk is. Those are the kind of people who transform not only society and the apps that are on your computer, he will transform civilization as we know it. Elon Musk is deeply respected by everyone who works in his company, by anyone who owns a Tesla. People who own Teslas love their Tesla, right? There aren't many cars that have that relationship with their owners. Anyone who knows and cares about space exploration knows and cares about Elon Musk. And there's a subset of them who say, other people don't realize it yet, but we are on the frontier of the future of civilization. I don't think he gets his full due from all sectors of society, but ultimately he will. When the sectors that he is pioneering transform the lives of those who are currently have no clue that their life is about to change. Go Elon Musk, and I don't care if he gets high. <laughs> <laughs>Yeah, as mentioned before, Graph2 comes from a tweet of Elon, and then this is about truth in media, media credibility, all that stuff. And here I want to do a shout out to Clean Technica, Chanan Bose, who is uh, spearheading the Graph2 series on Clean Technica. What's pretty cool is that um, May Musk, under her Twitter account, um, Joined, joined in on the FUD fight, you know, FUD standing for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. 
basically what Prof2, the Clean Technical series, uh, what Prof2 is doing is checking every week any news source, any news um, headline, and they they uh, check the sentiment of the headline. Is it uh, negative? Is it neutral? Is it positive? Yeah, it's a good indicator of how how the sentiment in the media is. So for October, we have 756 articles, and if you compare it to the actual news stories, there are basically just 10. So in this clean technical report, you see the list of positive, negative, and neutral articles. Last week, there were more positive articles than negative, and that's pretty much because there's no negative news to report. Nevertheless, if you check about the most reported articles, the SEC is still the number one with 101 articles. Which is kind of funny because there is nothing really new about SEC. It was the settlement and all in all it was not really material to anything. So if you think that 10 news versus stories are multiplied into hundreds or thousands of articles, you will realize that there's a lot of noise out there, and to cut through the noise, what the journalists do is, well, mostly it's the editor of the outlet, they're writing um, controversial headlines, and probably also in, in the article there's also controversial statements, because those create disbelief and some kind of shock, and those will result in more attention and clicks, because people think, well, what does people think that cannot be true, what they say? So they click the article, they read the news, and that's good for the publication. What's pretty cool is that Clean Technica also gives us the raw data, so there's a link. We can actually get to a Google Sheet with all the articles, the article headlines, and the link to the articles, so you can check it out for yourself. And here we go into this list and search for SEC. For example, we're getting an article from Business Insider about Arcealia Banks. Not really sure this would be. So Business Insider takes Asiana Banks, a rapper who's pretty much no expert or any authority at all in this matter. They ask her what, why she thinks Elon Musk should settle with SEC. I mean, it's pretty hilarious to think about. But yeah, that's the level you have for articles, from serious to entertainment at best. We're coming to short stories. Because they are short stories, but they are also stories about shorts. Elon Musk, he likes to tease the short sellers in Twitter. Recently he said, short shorts coming soon to Tesla merch. And he made a lot of jokes about it, like um, being sexy, since you know, Model S, 3, X and Y, sexy shorts. And then he asked, what are your favorite short shorts? And he said, they fit together very well with uh, paired with thigh high sock boots. Yeah, anyway, there's a lot of dead jokes about shorts. You can say a lot about Tesla, but one thing you can't say is that it lets people cold. I don't think there's any other company that's so polarizing. And oddly enough, about the same facts and informations, people get totally opposite conclusions. Which is quite fascinating, really, if you think about how different people can think and how they come to different conclusions over the same information. With Tesla being one of the most shorted stocks on the market, the list of short sellers is quite extensive, but arguably the most famous short sellers are Jim Chenos, founder of Kynikos Associated, David Einhorn, founder of Greenlight Capital, and Mark B. Spiegel, founder of Stanfield Capital. Jim Chenos doesn't appear publicly as, as aggressive as the other shorts, but he's still very vocal and has a big platform. Um, nevertheless, most of his thesis can actually be, be disproven, and there's a great video from Galileo Russell from Hyperchange TV. You should go check it out, where he goes in all the details why most of his theories are, uh, are wrong. So Galileo takes every claim and basically debunks all of it. Um, there are things like executive departures and then Galileo shows in the video that it's actually industry average and not very unusual. 
Then Cheno's next big point is that this, according to him, is structurally unprofitable. So the point that Jim Chenos is making is that the revenue forecast for Tesla every year is corrected down and that he thinks they will never make a profit because they always keep correcting the, the forecast. But this is a wrong assumption because actually the forecast comes from analysts and they are the ones who don't know correctly how to model the, the revenue forecast. So they have to correct their forecast and it's not Tesla that is at fault here. And all the other points from Chenos can be easily debunked. Um, he talks about competition that Porsche comes and iPace and Mercedes, Audi. But um, as the recent news shows is that all those car makers have huge problems to produce the cars on time and to make it profitable. So, and even Porsche recently announced they plan to make 20,000 Porsche cars per year. This will hardly put any dent in, in, in Tesla's business, if at all, rather into the in Porsche's business itself. And if, if you think about it, about 20% of Americans say, yeah, they want uh, EVs, electric cars. So the demand will outstrip any possible supply in the near future. The other points like autonomous driving, which yeah, on paper maybe others look better, but in reality only Tesla has compelling solution. And other points he making can be all pretty easily debunked. Anyway, it's already long enough to talk about this. Um, go check check the video out from Galileo on YouTube, Hyperchange TV. Uh, I think you will like it. Similar to Chenos, David Einhardt also got lucky with a big short position in Lehman Brothers. And similar to Chenos, he's very good in financial industries, but he also doesn't have a very good understanding of technology. And I think this this is also the problem. Just because you got lucky once or you have a few cases of shots that worked out well, it doesn't mean that this new case must be the same or is the same. And to compare Tesla with Lehman Brothers is pretty ridiculous because most incumbent car makers and auto brands are like banks. I mean, GM is mostly a bank. And to understand uh, technology companies needs a different type of skill. And those shorts, mostly they don't even have a very large fund. I mean, if you see at uh, other Tesla investors, they they have asset under management in sizes of 200 billion or more. Our shorts maybe have a couple million, if it's a lot, 100 millions, but they make the biggest noise and they get the biggest attention. And also it should give people to think that David Einhorn's um, fund is down to 5 billion from 12 billion in assets under management. So I think when the dust settles, David Einhorn will have lost a lot of money and Tesla will be still there and will prosper. Because you, you can't, you can bet against the company, but you cannot bet against enthusiastic customers that love, love a product and want to buy it. It's pretty stupid. Capital's David Einhorn knocking Tesla today in a letter to investors, comparing it to the now bankrupt Lehman Brothers and saying the quote, deception is about to catch up to them. He writes, Lehman threatened short sellers, refused to raise capital, it even bought back stock, and management publicly suggested it would go private. Months later, shareholders, creditors, employees and the global economy paid a big price when management's reckless behavior led to bankruptcy. Is David Einhorn right? You probably feel differently. I know that you are long Tesla shares. Why do you think Tesla is very, very different from Lehman Brothers? Well, first of all, David Einhorn has the most absurdly poor results of any manager of money over the last five years that exists today. His fund has been decimated. He's actually a lot more like Lehman Brothers than anybody else. So I feel bad for him and his shareholders down 25% this year. We started a fund at our firm called the Opposite Einhorn Fund, where we just do exactly opposite <laughs> of what he does. And it's worked amazingly. So that fund's up 25% on yeah. the year. Um, but that being said, if J.C. Penney and Sears are somehow still not bankrupt, I, my least concern is Tesla, when their revenue is about to double, 
uh, to six billion for the quarter, and there are about to be cash flow positive. I think the business models are pretty different. Those are very different business models, Jason. It's not about business model. The the fact that these companies have been struggling for so long and managed to still find capital and stay in business is a miracle. So a, a vibrant, fast-growing growth story that has one of the most amazing products ever created um, in doubling revenue. Russ. I mean, how many companies are like that? There's an interesting article that's really a little bit older from Mary from Renew Economy. The headline is why so many people are so desperate for Tesla and Musk to fail. And I think the article sums it up pretty well. What's the motivation of short sellers in general critic why they think that Tesla should fail or will fail. But arguably from all the short sellers, Mark Eagle is probably the most controversial and borderline unethical. If you just check his Twitter accounts, you will see a lot of very aggressive tweets. And for some of them, he already got blocked. Or at least the tweets got uh, removed from Twitter. So it's pretty amazing if you think that those guys, they control billions of dollars. And oftentimes, they, they let the emotions get the better of themselves. You can argue there's two cults. There's there's the anti-cult of Tesla and then there's the pro-cult of Tesla. And arguably the short, the anti-Tesla movement is way more extreme in their, in their measures. And to make matters worse, he's not only inflammatory and outright insulting on Twitter, but he's also wrong 90% of the time with his predictions. There's a great um, thread from Never Too Late on Twitter. And he did a lot of work collecting all the claims and uh, predictions that Mark Spiegel did and pretty much all of them turned out to be false. So you can take some time and scroll through it. It's pretty interesting. And for example, He had 19 articles in Seeking Alpha and only one of them proved right, one of the predictions. In, two, in March 2018 he wrote in a letter, he thinks Tesla's the biggest stock bubble ever and now we have end of the year and nothing happened. So let's do a walk on memory lane. I think it's always fun to look back in history and what people talked about Tesla some years ago and how that turned out nowadays. So it's always fun to make predictions and to tell the world as a journalist what you think is going to happen. But uh, if, if you go forward in time a couple of years and then see what actually happens, then you, you can see which journalist had a good understanding of the matter and which journalists talk nonsense and also about the shorts you can um, evaluate what they actually understood or what what they what did they get right and what did they get wrong so let's start with the biggest elephant in the room uh, according to green car reports Volkswagen should be the biggest electric car maker by now according to an article in April 2015 And I think Volkswagen earned the unpopularity award here because not only did they cheat in the diesel diesel gate, but they're also promising for I think altogether probably 20 years. Every year uh, you hear from the incumbent car makers you hear oh, we will have a new green technology, and then it never happens. And I think. Volkswagen is one of the worst who's always claiming big things to come and then it never realizes. Um, I mean, not even a little bit, it's just pure BS and a lot of the media, they just take it at face value. So yeah, check out those Wired articles. Basically in 2010, Volkswagen claimed to be the biggest EV maker in 2018. Now it's 2018, two months left. I don't think they're gonna beat that. So many people say, oh, Tesla's lying, but actually everything they said, they fulfill and they, they make it come true. Maybe not 100% on time, but who can predict the future? So obviously there always can be some unforeseen 
problems or issues, but they always fix them and then eventually they deliver. While the incumbent comic is, they just have big marketing announcements and then, then later they figure out, oh, it's difficult, so maybe we don't do it or we do it slow. And then it dies down and nobody talks about it anymore. Also not bad is the BGR article saying that Chevy Bolt is a competition and we all know that this didn't turn out to be the case. In fact, Chevy Bolt is in the sales almost nowhere to be seen while the Model 3 outsells everything on the market. MIT Tech Review said Tesla has more broken promises. While generally the article is not completely wrong, and Tesla will probably not, as promised, deliver 500,000 cars in 2018. It will for sure come quite close with 200 to 300,000 estimated deliveries. And also the article mentions that actually this timeline was moved two years ahead. So originally Elon Musk said um, 2020 was um, the, the full-scale production, but they moved it two years earlier. So they almost reached the goal in 2018, but for sure in 2019. So the stretch is actually not, not that much. And uh, HBR thinks Tesla cannot scale. Mostly those articles in 2015. Well, definitely can be sure that Tesla did scale quite a lot. Also, Kara Swisher from Recode Decode the old grumpy lady of tech, as she calls herself, interviewed Elon Musk in about one hour interview with a lot of interesting details. You definitely should check it out. Okay, let me show you some snippets. And I have to say, Kara does a really good job in being entertaining, but also serious and get Elon Musk to open up and talk about some really interesting perspectives and ideas. Okay, it is Halloween night and I have gotten my treat, which I've been asking for a while. I'm here with Elon Musk at the headquarters of Tesla. Is that right, the right pronounce? Is it Tesla, Tesla? A Tesla, yeah. Whatever. But, okay. By the way, you, I think your costume is great. Th thank you. I'm dressed as a lesbian from Castro in San Francisco. That's what I look like. Um, I'm here with delicious coffee. We are going to have a long discussion about all kinds of things. Um, Elon's been very nice to do this in the evening here. And we've been chatting about all kinds of things, but we're going to get into it really quick. We're going to talk about Tesla. We're going to talk about SpaceX. We're going to talk about this year. We're going to talk about the boring company. And anything else uh, Elon wants to talk about, because people like to hear you talk. Well, I, t I tweet interesting things pretty much as they come to me and, uh, you know, probably with not much of a filter. Mm -hmm. And yeah. why? I find it entertaining. And okay. I think like, oh, other people might find this entertaining. Sometimes they do. Right. And sometimes. Yeah. It's pretty random. Mm -hmm. Just at night when you're at home, you're doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly, mostly. Mostly. Mostly at home. Yeah. 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 It's mostly. Um, I think people, I, I spend a lot less time on Twitter than people probably think. It's like maybe... 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes or something. Yeah, when people pay attention, Elon, when you do that. Yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting what my, like, most, what people are most interested in. I mean, I liked it, like, some little tweet about, I love anime. Mm -hmm. uh, that was it. Mm -hmm. But it was, like, lowercase i, black heart anime. And mm -hmm. it was, like, and people love that. Mm -hmm. That was, like, one of the most, my most popular tweets. All right. What about the things they didn't love? Are you under strict orders not to do that? Is that correct? Will you, will you be? Will you have to change your Twitter behavior? Not really. Not really. Under the recent settlement, you aren't. You don't have to be careful about what you tweet. If it's anime, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But it's just business. You can't. No, I think it's mostly just uh, if there's something that might cause a substantial movement in the stock during trading hours. Mm -hmm. That's about it. That's about it. So you yeah. can't do that without somebody getting mad. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a lot of people getting <laughs> mad. So, <laughs> so would you consider it? I'm going to get off in a second, but do you consider it a communications medium? How do you look at it? I mean, a lot of us use it that way. I use it that way. Obviously, Donald Trump uses it that way. How do you look at it? I look at it as a way to learn things, stay sort of like kind of stay in touch with what's happening. It's like it feels like dipping into the flow of consciousness of society. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like, and then. <laughs> sometimes it's like kind of weird. Like I guess I sometimes use Twitter to express 
myself and and that's a weird thing to do, I suppose. Not so much. I mean, it isn't. I think some sometimes it's very funny. Other times it's not yeah. so funny. Like some people they, use their hair to express themselves. <laughs> okay. I use Twitter. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> On other noteworthy news. Kimball Musk, Elon's brother, was trolling Stuart Varney on Fox Business, who was very eager to ask him about the choice of the new Tesla chair, Robin Dunhorn. But Kimball, cool as he is, kept talking about his own project, the plant a seat a day. And uh, after several trials of Varney to get Kimball to comment on, on this choice, he finally lost his cool and said, nobody cares about plant a seat day. We are a big business news network. But uh, Kimball kept his cool and just laughed it off, which gave Kimball and his project a great PR actually. So you can say the trolling force is strong in the Musk family. Earlier this month, Tesla announced that Robin Denham would be the new board chair at Tesla, replacing Elon Musk. Naturally, I wanted to talk to Kimball Musk about it. Now, he is Elon's brother, he's on Tesla's board, and he was on the show this morning. But this is what happened. Watch. For having me here, I'm so excited about Plant a Seed Day. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you want to get to Plant a Seed Day. I understand entirely, Kimball. I am so happy for the future of Tesla. On March 20th, 2019, we're going to do a plant a seed day. I am very happy for the future of Tesla. Let me tell you about a story okay, about a kid look, in South I'm Chicago. Sorry. I, look, um, I don't need to know you're very happy about the future of Tesla. What I'd like to share is I am so happy about the future of Tesla. And plant a seed day in 2019 will be a way for oh, companies across America oh, to participate. Come on. You think my viewers want to learn about plant a seed day? Plant Do a you seed really? is going to be awesome. Are you kidding me? It's going to be amazing. We're going to get a, a million families they don't care, to plant Kimball. a seed. They don't Next, let's go to Elon's tweets. Man, there's so much stuff going on. Um, where do we start? So Elon had a lot of new tweets he did. Elon tweeted, enemy, um, just the word in the black heart and it kind of like, exploded Twitter. I mean, some tweets couldn't even be opened or seen anymore. Then he retweeted uh, one joke that he bought Fortnite and deleted it. So this was another t tweet storm and almost broke Twitter. Then he interacted, I think for the first time with Bored Elon, or second time, actually second time. And then Bored Elon said, hey, dude, stay in your lane. Because Elon gets more like a satiric account sometimes. That really shows how cool he is about his fans and then that he appreciates um, all the satiric accounts. I mean, there must be hundreds out there. Maybe we can, I guess, in one of the next episodes, we can introduce all the interesting Elon Musk satiric accounts or fun accounts. So all the fun started when Elon tweeted, considering taking Tesla private at $420 a share, and then funding secured. There was a big confusion about what really was going on, and people thought, hey, maybe that's just one of Elon's jokes and then but he made it at a he made the command when the stock trading was still ongoing in uh, market hours so that wasn't probably very smart and then the stock exploded went up and then later it came out that from his perspective funding was secured uh, because he had commitments verbally commitments from many wealthy parties and obviously there's no shortage on investors who are interested to invest in tesla and increase the stake but still it was not on paper so because you think titles are just titles and not really important he just deleted all his titles from the Tesla page and immediately everyone was big in conspiracy mode and was thinking, wow, where are all, all the titles? And where's Elon's titles? And speculation started, but then he said, um, he said his titles doesn't mean anything. Legally, he has to keep the title president, but the rest, uh, he just deleted them and think it's not important. So henceforth, he is known as the nothing of Tesla. Also in the Recode interview with Kara Swisher, Elon talked about self-inflicted wounds. No, I mean, there's no question there's like self-inflicted wounds. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, my brother said like, look, if you, uh, if you, if you do a self-inflicted wound, can you at least not twist the knife afterwards? <laughs> Uh, you know, like you, you stabbed yourself in the leg, like you don't really yeah. need to twist it in your leg. Right, you know? right. So like, why do you why, do, why that? do that? Why do you do that? 
<laughs> it's not intentional. No, well. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, sometimes you're under a lot of pressure and... Uh, Your brother's you're not, wise. Not, you're not getting much sleep. You're under massive pressure and um, you make mistakes. So Elon is kind of prone to create self-inflicted wounds and then make it worse by adding to it. But all in all, it didn't really have, a, it didn't really have that bad of an influence. So he came quite well out of it. Well, one thing is for sure with Elon, it never gets boring. You can be sure that there's uh, another shock and awe tweet just around the corner. Actually, just yesterday he tweeted that he's gonna do, that they're gonna, the boring company is gonna hire an, a knight in shining armor because they plan to build a watchtower. Yeah, for the boring company, and they're looking for a knight to insult other people, just like in Monty Python's The Knights of the Coconut. And he also said they're gonna do a DIY set from the boring company because they have this new stone they created. Uh, they made a they made the machine and this machine can create earthquake-proof stones. And kind of like a Lego type of thing where you can put them together and build your own stuff fairly quickly. So I would say this is something like maybe the IKEA of building. So yeah, this will be interesting going forward. One thing is for sure, it's it's never gonna be boring with Elon. What was pretty cool is that Elon replied under one of my tweets. I was showing him a cool castle that is uh, near my hometown and it's being used as a... Actually, people are living there now. Uh, it's like restaurant and museum, and uh, but also people really live there full time and tend to it and keep it uh, like do renovations and things. And I really liked his answer because he, he did this pseudo coding thing where he wrote while not castle brick plus plus, which is not really programming code and I, it wouldn't really make sense, but it's, it's something like high level code you would write if you think about an algorithm and you, you like designing an algorithm. So that, that really shows like Elon is total nerd and engineer at heart. Hello, this is Dave from Not A Boring Tesla Podcast. And uh, I have some things to say about the wildfire situation in Southern California and Northern California. A few days ago, uh, a couple of wildfires broke out here in Southern California, just south of where I live. Uh, two of them uh, broke out pretty much the same day. It was Thursday, uh, November 8th. And uh, one was called Hillfire, and that burned uh, just south of Camarillo, California, up in the hills, and is uh, right now 65% contained. And the other one is a Wolseley fire, which broke out in Simi Valley, California, by Rocket 9, uh, where the Rocket 9 site is, and started burning towards Malibu. Uh, they evacuated Malibu. Uh, as of last night, it was about 5% contained. So it's still a very dangerous fire. And uh, a lot of press around it just because of who it's affecting. Uh, a lot of celebrities, a lot of very valuable uh, property and, and wildlife refuges. and. Um, and campsites and uh, beach areas. So a lot of those areas were featured in film and commercials and uh, they're being changed forever because of this fire. So a lot of politicians have come out in support of it. Uh, the new uh, acting governor of California uh, called for a state of emergency so we can get additional funding and resources. Elon uh, came out and said, <clears throat> He said uh, in a tweet on Friday night about 9.10 p.m., if Tesla can help people in California wildfire, please let us know. Model S and X have hospital-grade HEPA filters, maybe helpful for transporting people. Uh, someone asked, hey, what about the Model 3? <laughs> Is it still good enough? Uh, he said, it's good, but not hospital-grade. S and X were designed to be proof against an actual bioweapon attack, requires a giant filter with separate acid and alkaline gas neutralization layers, not enough room in Model 3. So we all kind of knew that. Those of us that follow and own the Teslas, we know that the Model 3 doesn't have a uh, bioweapon defense mode. Uh, we didn't buy it. Uh, it was offered as an option on the SNX uh, for a while, and then it became standard, uh, especially in the X first, I believe, and then the S followed suit. Uh, a lot of the naysayers uh, that posted on Elon's tweet later pretty much called him out and said that he was advertising the product uh, and using the California wildfires as a backdrop for that. 
uh, I can kind of see why they think that. However, he was specifying the S and the X as having the bioweapon defense mode so that people don't get confused that the three does not. And then he had to further clarify that in another tweet I just read. Uh, so I don't see that as advertising. It's more of, hey, S and X owners, you can help out with the wildfires. If you're in the area, you can help evacuate. You can help transport people to hospitals and clinics that have respiratory issues. They will have uh, relief when they're being transported that matter. I mean, the smoke south of here is horrendous and those areas are really being affected. And anybody with asthma or other respiratory illnesses can have um, very big issues with their health in those situations. So I see it as an altruistic move on Elon's part. A lot of people did not and chose to criticize him and criticize the people that were dealing with the fire. And uh, I think that's deplorable. And if you look at the history of California wildfires, we've had some of the largest and most destructive fires here uh, in recorded history. And how do you dispute that uh, when we're still in a drought? Scrub Oak and the chaparral and the grasses here are extremely dry. There's no moisture in them whatsoever. And they can actually measure that. And they can tell how destructive a fire will be when it rolls through these areas and the fuel is so dry that it just goes up very quickly and travels very fast because of the winds. So it really is uh, a perfect storm, if you will. And that's why we're seeing these destructive fires roll through here very rapidly and destroy thousands of homes and lives. So to say that it's mismanagement by uh, our local forestry services and uh, open space reserves and, and those people that handle that uh, is uh, obtuse. Plain and simple, it's, it's ignorance. And uh, coming from someone who's an EV advocate, someone who's uh, an environmental advocate, uh, it's disheartening to see leadership not put the blame squarely where it belongs which is our inaction to curb climate change. So when someone like Elon, who is not a politician, comes out and tries to help the situation and gets knocked down, all of us who want to see people like Elon and Tesla succeed, we come out and we try and rebut those claims because they're false, plain and simple. So if you think petroleum is our future, you're on the wrong side of history. The fires here, they're still raging. Anybody that can help, uh, please do, especially transporting animals and, and people in need, and uh, just help if you're in an area whenever possible. Uh, but thank you for watching the segment and uh, appreciate all the help you can offer. I appreciate Elon for and Tesla employees for helping as well. Uh, it's a big problem. Uh, we have a town down south of us, Malibu, that's cut off. And regardless if they're rich or poor, they still need help. They're still people. I think we forget that, that they're still people that they need help. So thank you. So hey everyone, this is Dave from uh, Unboarding Tesla Podcast. I'm here with Earl of Front Puppy. How you doing, man? <laughs> Hey, I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Yeah, thanks for joining me, Earl. So uh, now that you own the Model 3 and all the videos that you've had, I guess you've, when you kind of first started your Twitter account out or maybe a little bit later, you had those dogs driving around in the car. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Is that really the catalyst that kind of got your account going? Uh, that was part of it. I had, I lucked out. I did a summon video of my car parking in my garage and um, Tesla picked it up and they tweeted it. And um, soon afterwards, uh, Elon Musk then retweeted it. And I had all kinds, my, my account kept getting locked. It was a whole thing because it was you know, all this traffic. Um, and then after that, uh, it, it was pretty exciting. So I thought, you know, what, what could I do next to make a, a cool video? And then you look, you have summon now and you look at your dog and think, oh, he could drive that car. <laughs> so uh, it took me uh, 
just two hours of working with the dog actor, but we got this 13 second video clip. And uh, yeah, I got a lot more traffic after that and kind of went from there. Very cool, yeah. I don't think anybody ever tried to do that before with their animal. That was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> pretty neat. Uh, so, uh, did you ever think that would be well received in the Tesla community after you did it? Did, did you think people would think it was silly or did you think it was going to be kind of the, the viral thing that it became? You, no, not at all. I, I, it was entertaining to me. And, um, but I, I thought, hey, if you know, a couple of people like this, that would be cool. Um, but then the uh, the folks at Jetta Wireless Pad, because in, in the video, my dog Norman, he hangs up his phone on the wireless charging pad. So yeah. they picked up on that. And then um, they reached out to me and sent me a message. Hey, can we put them in our emails? And like, oh, this is great. Sure, you know, do whatever you want with it. So yeah, a lot more traction than I thought. Very cool. All right. And did the front puppy thing kind of evolve from that or how did that start? Yeah, it was kind of related. Um, I, I figured I needed a, a, a name for my dog that would blend kind of a, a Tesla idea. Um, and I came up with, I don't, I couldn't tell you when, but I came up with this word frunk puppy. And I thought it was a funny last name for a dog. So his full name is Norman von Frunk puppy on Twitter. And he has his own little page, of course. And um, then I decided, well, if he's frunk puppy, he should probably have some pictures in the frunk and take some of those and uh you know in in my twitter fashion i just start bugging people online you know hey i see you have a dog i see you have a tesla why don't you put them in the front and nobody would really do it <laughs> as they shouldn't i guess <laughs> um but i kept at it long enough people actually started to occasionally just post a picture of this front puppy thing um and then it it really it took off a bit when uh trev from model 3 owners club he put his his cat in the front mm -hmm. And then a lot of people saw that. And then, then I got a little more traffic and, and, and now it's just really caught on. It's kind of crazy, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really, it's really cool. Okay. So aside from all that attention that you're receiving from Frunk Puppy and you know, the driving dog, uh, besides that on Twitter, what's been, or maybe not even on Twitter, what's been your coolest experience being a Tesla owner? Um, you know, I, th I think what I hadn't really prepared for is the community that really comes along with the car. You meet a lot of people online, you meet a lot of people on Twitter, um, and then you meet uh, that just are interested in the car. They want to come up to you and talk six foot four. He's like, oh, I want to see if I can fit in your back seat. That's it, right? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I let him sit in the car. <laughs> He's like, oh, this has plenty of headroom. It is. You don't really expect that. Um, it, it it was a lot, especially when I first got it, people kind of coming up and, and asking about it. My wife wouldn't even drive it for a little while because people would come up and ask questions like, how do you charge it? And how do you do various things? And she had no idea. It's <laughs> just like trying to go to the store. Um, and uh, but, but I love it. I think it's great. It's a nice way to meet people, um, especially at the superchargers. You pull in, usually there's somebody else there, typically going to talk to them. And uh, I really like that. I like that part of ownership. And I hadn't really thought about that when I got the car. No, I have a friend of mine who has a Model X and he calls it Tesla time. Whenever those Falcon wings door <laughs> Falcon doors go up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it attracts, you know, people and, and he has to spend 10 minutes explaining the car. And it's still kind of cool though. It's kind of good advertising for the brand. Do you feel that you have a little different attitude when you drive the car around versus if you're driving a nice car or, some other cars that you own? Um, attitude, I feel safer. Uh, I feel much safer in the Tesla. I, I, it just feels like you could drive it through a wall. It's just a very solid car, not much body roll. Um, but you're probably gonna be faster than most of the cars that you're gonna meet on the road that day. That's kind of a nice feeling. Um, toasted several uh, Mustangs and Chargers you know, the lower end ones that they kind of look sporty, but they have all the equipment on them, you know, big spoilers and everything, but they don't actually go very fast. So that's a lot of fun. I enjoy that part. Do you feel like you can get out of situations a little faster? If yeah, you, yeah, you feel confident, safer. Yeah, it's, it's hard and I go back and I, my, my wife has a Toyota Highlander and I drive it and I get out of it. I forget to put it in park. I 
I forget to take, you know, turn it off. I <laughs> I cut off people. I drive into traffic and I forget that I don't have like instant torque. Um, it's it's a totally different experience. Uh, you forget to hit the brake pedal because you have that one pedal driving. Right, right, it's just right. very different. Uh, it's it's hard to go back. Um, but yeah, it it's I would say it's it's generally painful to drive non-EVs at this point. And do you, do you give test drives in your test rides and test drives in your car often? Yeah, I give a lot of test drives. Uh, I've given a lot at work. Uh, anybody who asks the car, I always tell them, hey, come check it out, take a ride in it. Um, people do approach me sometimes out in public. I've given those folks test rides too. I think it's fun. I think it's good a good way to, to spread the word about the car. A lot of people haven't really seen them around, sat in one, driven one. And, um, you know, with all of the negativity that can be out there in the press or online, that's just the best way to fight it. Um, now, my coworker sat in it and um, he, he had said he was worried about the center screen and you wouldn't be able to see the speedometer and all the stuff you read. And, you know, within 30 seconds, he's like, this isn't bad at all. I thought this would be really hard. It's right here, you know? Um, and, and that's the only way to challenge that. You just got to try it. Yeah. And you don't have like a Ford dealership in every town. You, you know, some places don't really have any. So I think it's important for owners to do that. However, I should say it does put a lot of pressure on me too. I always feel like I need to keep my car clean. I need to keep it <laughs> vacuumed and keep the outside clean. You feel responsible like a uh, a representative of the company <laughs> you're driving around in this thing. So. Exactly. And what do people first notice about the car once they get in and go on test rides or just check it out? I think they find that it's a lot roomier than they thought it would be. It, it looks kind of tiny. If you approach the car from the back, it looks kind of tiny. Um, but when you sit in it, it's it's pretty big space. So people, I think, are taken aback by that. And also the, you have the glass roof over you, gives you a lot of headroom. And at least for me, the first time I sat in one, I was really impressed with how comfortable it was. I did not expect that. I assumed I'm not buying a Model S or an X. I'm gonna get something with four seats and they'll be okay. But they're really nice. Um, I, I, I really like the, uh, the comfort of the three. And, and I've had that too with people getting in the car. Like, oh, these seats are a lot nicer than I thought they would be. I don't know if you've had that same experience. I have. We We've done shows uh, and have had plenty of butts sit in the seat, and that's been the constant comment is, wow, I didn't expect it to be that comfortable. And the next thing they notice is no, no screen in front of them or no pinnacle, as they call it. So, Yeah, I just took a 1,300-mile round trip over the weekend between Friday and Sunday, and I got a bad back, like most people. And it's amazing that I can do that drive and be fine. It's it's a very nice long distance uh, car to, to do a drive in. That's cool. wonderful. <laughs> and uh, so kind of going back to the name of your Twitter account, the 28 Delays Later. Yeah. And gears a little bit. Um, what was that about? Did you have issues getting delivery of the car or? <laughs> well, I had, um, I started it probably like a lot of people on Twitter and Tesla, just really to follow Elon, see what he's tweeting about, and to have a Twitter account with a whopping 19 followers. And uh, I just came up with the name in a minute. My, my One of my favorite movies is 28 Delays Later, or 28 Days Later, uh, the zombie movie. Yes. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of waiting for my car for several years, and there are always delays. So I, that in there to be um, witty. You get a little attention to your account and then you get some followers and you just have that, <laughs> you just have that name. Um, so it really stuck. And that's why I changed it more recently to probably make it something more of what, maybe if I put more thought into it. Um, cool. Well, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. Um, really okay. appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully if we get a little more time, maybe I'll have you on again and discuss some okay. other things. Uh, but for now, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Take care, Bye. It's very important for the future of the world. It's very important for all life on Earth 
this this supersedes political parties, race, creed, religion doesn't matter. If we do not solve the environment, we are all we're all damned. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, I'm I'm a physician. I came in the United States uh, 15 years ago, and um, I'm, I'm not sorry about doing this step. I'm originally from uh, Romania, and uh, I I'm that kind of guy that's interested in uh, to find more answers to everything happening around me. So I've I was really attracted to physics and chemistry, all the basic sciences, biology. To extract the energy from the fossil fuel uh, has four components. Out of all those four components, only one is an active phase which generates energy, which it's kind of telling us that the efficiency of this engine is quite low and scientifically uh, comes close to 30-40%, which that means 60% uh, the gasoline burn it's useless, it's not generating any uh, piece of energy, it just goes back into the atmosphere. You know, it comes out off as heat, as carbon dioxide, and all those particulates, most of them, they do manage to escape and uh, go into the atmosphere. But if you take into consideration the energy lost in transmission, the energy lost uh, for all the other moving parts inside of the engine, the efficiency at the wheel, as we call it, comes close to 17-20%. So that's, uh, these are facts, I mean, this is science. And translated means if you burn 10 gallons of uh, gas, only two, three gallons are used to generate movement. Mm -hmm. Everything else is a waste. The electric vehicles are more efficient because uh, calculating miles per gallon, considering this mix of uh, uh, sources, of fuels to generate electricity puts an electric vehicle in the United States at about 55 miles per gallon if it's using only uh, electricity to propel. So I would say that Tesla gets uh, twice better miles per gallon. There's a, this typical argument that people say, okay, um, but um, electric cars getting the energy from coal or, or, or gas or some fossil fuel energy sources. How does it translate to the energy efficiency? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it is a misconception and I'll tell you why. When you are uh, powering your car from the grid, not all that energy is produced from fossil fuel. And each state is using a, a different mixture of uh, nuclear source of wind uh, energy or solar energy or fossil fuel. In average for United States, uh, this mixture comes close to 64% of fossil fuels and the, the rest up to 100% is renewable uh, energies. Uh, on the same token, another thing to be mentioned is Tesla is moving without producing carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide is produced on a plant somewhere, but that BMW being driven on the streets, it is producing carbon dioxide which goes into the atmosphere. Mm. And here we talk about the smog effect which we see in big urban areas which comes solely from, uh, you know, obviously industrial plants around the city but also from the cars which are releasing uh, the fumes uh, into the atmosphere and stay in that area. Yeah, so I, I think uh, a lot of people underestimate the amount of disruptions that are happening. I mean, you have like efficiency, you have safety, you have durability, pretty much on any aspect aspect of a, of a automobile, you have improvements. Yeah, when you compare both cars, you know, if you look, uh, let's talk about the cost. So you have two cars that cost the same. The gasoline car, you have to buy gas to move. On the electric car, you have to buy electricity, which is way, way cheaper. So, you know, the savings in, in gas over a year for somebody that drives 10,000 miles comes close to $1,000, $1,200, okay? So then in 10 years, only savings in money is close to $12,000. 
And uh, let's remember that Tesla have over the air uh, system, which is able to diagnose and actually uh, fix some of the problems with the car. So you don't have to go with the car to a service center to get taken care of. Uh, then you look at the repair costs, which are way lesser than for a classic car. So you're saving money. When you have a product that is uh, so uh, reliable, uh, so safe, uh, saves the environment, the tendency for the people is to, to keep it. They love it. Okay. So when you love something, you don't want to let it go. So we're thinking about uh, people keeping the, uh, their cars longer, which obviously long term pays off even more because saves more money for the people, saves more the environment. Let's remember that a regular car releases within a year uh, almost two tons of carbon dioxide if you drive 10,000 miles. You know, the, the perception shifts. People start realize, oh, I'm driving my regular car, I have uh, 20 gallons of uh, highly flammable uh, fuel in the car. And we've seen what happens when the cars are catching on fire. Uh, with electricity, it's easier to design a system that will self-protect uh, itself in case something happens. And obviously, lithium hydroxide doesn't burn as fast as gasoline. Yeah, you can, so it's uh, you can way isolate. safer from this perspective. Like uh, in the gasoline tank, all the mass is together. You cannot like separate in the little pieces of, of gasoline. Yes. <laughs> While in the battery, you have like little each cell is like. Uh, encapsulated and also there's like um, flame retardant and different protection mechanisms and and do you think this kind of like the thing what you said that this is also the reason why people do this Tesla stretch I, I think people got in the habit uh, at least here yeah, the uh, uh, the view is okay I'm, I bought this car in five years I have to get another one because uh, after 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 miles, things will start breaking down, they will need replacement. So they prefer to get another car. Uh, Tesla is fundamentally changing the shift uh, in, in the mentality in which, okay, we can make a product that's going to last you a very long time. It may last you as long as you live or even more. And we never look uh, on the other side of uh, consuming, you know, of all the waste. Uh, uh, because we're producing much more than we need uh, and for that reason we have to constantly buy 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 things we're producing lots of waste the traditional car makers and, and generally the how the society works is like you produce you try to sell as much as you can and if you don't sell enough then your business will break down and you would get bad ratings and everything it's like all on this product uh, like the consume consumption cycle it's like focus on that Tesla like changing this narrative or this uh, paradigm that you can make products that last very long and you can still be profitable in the way that you you just keep innovating about new ways of um, uh, harvesting basically uh, profit um, channels I mean you can do like like the service like doing more service you don't need eternally sell more and more products to to be a um, successful business or a profitable business great yeah thanks a lot for your time and yeah absolutely the, the, your knowledge and looking forward to see you on the next podcast okay i hope it's gonna go well and uh... I'm curious myself about the feedback that we're gonna get, if they have any other questions. I, I think it's very important to speak about the, the simple facts, the science, so people will understand. For me, it's so clear, it's so obvious. I mean, mm. there's no way of thinking twice, oh, let me think again. No, there's, there's no such a thing. And I think we should uh, try as hard as we can. aware of these scientific facts that will make for them also the picture very simple. Like, okay, this is the way we need to go. So if you're still around now at the end, then kudos to you. You must be really an avid Elon Musk nerd and super fan. In that case, please reach out to us and maybe you can support us in this podcast and help us to get this to the next level.